As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy. Tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. And welcome back to Snippets of Genius. We're here for a brand new series and I could not be more excited to bring you some amazing standout guests. This series, we're going to dive into the theme of what it means to build better. Is it about caring more? Is it about having more purpose? Is it this balance between purpose and profits we keep hearing so much about? I want to get into what it actually means to build better. And to do that, I'm going to bring you the best people out there who are not just tearing a brand new path. They are showing us how to build better. They are highly invested in what it means to build through their own values. I'm a firm believer we are value centric. Go back and check out my last episode. Go check that out if you missed it. It's a really good platform to jump us into what it means to build better. It's about seeing further than what I see today, but not getting so ahead of myself that I'm worrying about tomorrow's problems today, right? Because that is something that happens. Like I, uh, that's another one in the early days. I spent a lot of time solving problems that didn't even exist yet, at the expense of the fires that were burning immediately. <laughs> <laughs> that resonates so much. A hundred percent with you. I was in that camp. <laughs> I had so many days of. But what if? But what if? Right. No, no, stay right. here. <laughs> right. So without further ado, I am thrilled to introduce you to the one and only Liana Fricker, someone I get to call my friend, my mentor, and my inspiration. And I just can't wait for this show. I'm going to try not to laugh the whole way through it. Liana, gorgeous. Welcome to the show. Thrilled to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. I feel like I'm looking behind the curtain now. <laughs> you can have to explain what that means to everyone. Well, because I've seen it all from front of house and I know that we were working uh, this time last year on how do we integrate snippets of genius into the brand and what you're doing. And now I'm like, oh, I'm in the hot seat. Like I get to see <laughs> behind the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> 
That's absolutely right. Liana, you're well and truly in the hot seat. And I can, <laughs> I'm going to make it super hot. I'm going to make you like come alive with all the exciting things I know you have to tell us. And I'm going to start by asking, because I know, because I've had the joy of working with Liana for the last couple of years. And I want to just drill into you sharing your brilliance with the world. So I'm going to start with you bringing it and sharing big. What is your superpower? Oh, my superpower is that I lay ideas like eggs. Oh, it's so true, everyone. But go on, go on, tell us a bit more about that. <laughs> I have so many ideas. And in the early days of working for myself, uh, that, that was probably the thing that got in my way the most, but also got me the furthest. And so about two or three years in, I realized whilst I had an abundance of ideas, not all of them needed to be my ideas. So now I give them away because I find that when I give them away, there's more room for the stuff that I need. The ideas that I need to cultivate for inspiration space comes up to the fore and it doesn't get so clouded, uh, my thinking and my brain. Oh, that's a brilliant one. And that's a big shift because a lot of people start thinking I've got all these ideas and I've got to keep them all top secret because I don't want anyone to steal my idea and go away and build my business. So that's just such a spin on actually how most entrepreneurs or people thinking about jumping into entrepreneurship or somebody wanting to be the most innovative person in the business maybe wants to keep their idea to themselves. But tell us a bit about what are those benefits of sharing those ideas? Let's dig into that a bit more. Well, I think on the one hand, if you have an abundance of ideas, it just clears up headspace, right? Like just literally it's like, like a closet, like I'm not wearing that dress. You, you have it because like there's zero way I'm getting back into it. Like I've held on to it for all these years. I sometimes try it on, but honestly, like me and this dress, our relationship is over. So you have it. Like it's much better to just pass it on. It's like sharing the wealth, right? And it's interesting that you say that about people holding on to their ideas and not and not sharing them because they're they're worried that someone's going to take it. And I was I was on Twitter yesterday because that's my favorite place to hang out online. And someone uh, shared a tweet saying, you know, if you think that sharing your idea is going to be a threat or a risk, you don't have what you think you have. Because in actual fact, what you're trying to say to the world is, I have this unique position. I've got a perspective that nobody else has. It's my, my recipe, my squiggly career, you know, my domain expertise is the reason why this is more than an idea. So if you're worried that sharing the idea means someone's going to take it from you, you don't have what you think you have. Ah, uh, that's a mic drop right there. Love that. Absolutely love it. I think I'd love to dive into a little bit about where you first began, Liana. Just give everyone a bit of background about how you went from your career into building inspiration space, which is amazing. Amazing, everyone. Um, but let's let's dive into a little bit about you. Okay, so I came into entrepreneurship by way of a burnout. So I started my career when I moved to the UK in PR. I was working in fashion PR and that was like my dream job. It didn't quite fit because I'm not very fashion. Like the fashion industry and I we didn't, it wasn't really a mix. So then I kind of spent a few years being like Goldilocks and like the three jobs and <laughs> trying them 
<laughs> right? This one's too hot. This one's too cold. <laughs> and then I found somewhere that was just right. And it was a creative agency that worked at the intersection of fashion, technology, culture, art, and design. And the premise was instead of targeting people by their demographics, so their age, their gender, you target people by their lifestyle interests through culture. And I worked with Bacardi on their global music program, you know, and a few other drinks brands. I got to do some really exciting stuff, but I did burn out. And it was at the time of the, uh, the financial crash and in the ad industry, if anybody remembers what like digital marketing or marketing was like in London back then, it was like, if you still had a job in, you know, 2008, 2009, you weren't going anywhere. You were just going to stay put because everybody was getting made redundant left, right, and center. And at the time it was the threat of new media, you know, was really taking over from traditional ways of doing things. So that was this other threat that everyone was really worried about. And so I just realized, you know, I don't know what I want to do, but I know I don't want to do this. Now, knowing what I know now, the sensible thing would have been to go take a sabbatical. Instead, I decided to get pregnant and move to Surrey. (laughs) As one does. (laughs) Right. And it was because I knew the choice would then be made for me because at the time, this idea of remote working, flexible working didn't exist in the way that it does now, especially not if you worked in the creative industries, because the reality is I didn't earn enough, right? I did not earn enough to justify the travel, the nanny, all of that. So I knew if I got pregnant, I wasn't coming back to work. And then I just figured it out. And it only took about 18 months before I figured it out. And all of a sudden, all my creativity came back and my ideas started flowing. And I remember one day I was walking the baby in the buggy and I came up with a whole ad campaign for Adidas in my head. And I was like, this is amazing. And I had this moment where I realized the only thing stopping you right now from going on to LinkedIn and pitching this is you. And that was a really profound moment for me. And I realized that everything that I'd learned, everything that I'd done was part of my DNA. And I didn't even need to worry about what I was going to do next because I couldn't even turn it off, right? I couldn't even turn it off. It was just living within me. And everything just happened naturally from there. So I started consulting for some startups in California because it worked around the baby. Um, And then I decided to set something up on my own to bring together women in my area that wanted to start businesses and didn't really know how to bootstrap because that was one of the fundamental things that I learned in the marketing agency. We had huge budgets, huge budgets, but the budget didn't actually matter. It just meant we bought more expensive toys. What mattered was literally, literally, like, like, I never forget, like, having to spend 75 grand to bring, like, a boom mic to Russia and get it, like, and sign a carny. Like, if anybody's listening or watching this, like, a carny, right? Just, I don't even know if those videos ever saw the light of day, right? And that was one video. So I knew that it wasn't about budget. It was creativity and collaboration, who you were working with, how you were working, as opposed to how much you were spending on the end result. And I wanted to bring that knowledge to others. And it grew really quickly. I had no idea, you know, what I was doing. The universe provided. And about three months in, I met Pam and Nigel. And Pam and Nigel are 
uh, my business partners, and they're very long in the tooth entrepreneurs, and they were collaborating on what was called Women in Digital Enterprise. They wanted to give back and they wanted to kind of level women in our area up so they could move from the kitchen table and really go into the boardroom, but not just the boardroom, boardrooms that they owned and created and ran. And, you know, by the end of that, Pam looked at me and she's like, I'm going to mentor you. And I was like, okay. And it all happened from there. Uh, And it has been a magical ride. And I had the joy of being on that ride with Liana and Pam and Nigel, who are absolute superstars all in their own right. Having Pam as a mentor, having Liana as a mentor, it's it's truly a wild ride because it is not just about, you know, what you think you know. (laughs) It's also what you don't know and helping you see beyond what you think is possible. And that's one of the most amazing things for Inspiration Space. I mean, I could go on all day, but this is more about hearing... (laughs) Some more from Liana. So let's talk about just a few of the most interesting insights that perhaps you've learned on your journey to, to building better. Perhaps actually like I want to second double question you with what does it mean to build better for you? That's really interesting. I've come out of and am now going into this new cycle. What I learned last year is that businesses actually evolve kind of in these four to five key stages. And you have sort of your birth and then you have that, I guess you call it the toddler years where you're really finding your way. Then you start to become stronger, more resilient. And then you end up at this turning point, which is you basically survive or you die. And that's around the four and a half, five year mark. And it's this idea that a healthy business is one that keeps on evolving. It has to remain unfinished or it dies, right? You will always have to reimagine what you're doing. And so for me, building better is about an understanding that this is an organic process of renewal, that it's not about staying fixed in this one place. It's about seeing further than what I see today, but not getting so ahead of myself that I'm worrying about tomorrow's problems today, right? Because that is something that happens. Like I, uh, that's another one in the early days. I spent a lot of time solving problems that didn't even exist yet at the expense of the fires that were burning immediately. That resonates so much. I am 100% with you. I was in that camp. I had so many days of, but what if? But what if? Right. No, no, stay right. here. Right. And actually, like, and because I'm, I, I'm a learn by, I, I learn by doing, and I also have ADHD, my tendency can be to just jump all in on fixing the thing. And then it's like, whoa, you've like built a half a website. Like what is actually happening? Like there's like a whole, a whole pile of things that need to be addressed right now. You know, if, if that is a problem in actual fact, that's a good problem to have. Cause that means you cleared everything else. Go back, go back. Right. And so building better is about getting that balance. And, and because when you do that, you're not wasting resource. When I think about how much time I've wasted living in the future, 
right? Money from living in the future. Conversations that I couldn't properly leverage because I was in the future. Opportunities that I lost because I was in the future, right? So building better is about that balance between where you are now and where you want to be. And you're cultivating like a farmer, you know, you're toiling. I'll never forget this moment when my youngest uh, kid came home one day with like a pot and some mud. And he's like, we planted sunflower seeds at school. I was like, awesome. He comes down the next morning. He's like, so where are they? I was like, what do you mean? Where are they? He's like, where are the sunflowers? I was like, oh no, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's like, this is not Jack and the Beanstalk, my friend. You know, it's like, it doesn't work like that. However, how many of us in business actually have that type of expectation? I planted it today. Where are my leads? I posted today. Where are my clients? You know, 24 hours later, it's like, it doesn't work that way. It's this consistency. It's Every day, watering the plant, toiling the plant, especially when it looks like there's nothing happening. That's when it's the most important, right? For any gardeners out there, I am not one. If you don't water it and take care of it in the early days when it's just a patch of mud, you're never going to get the flowers. You can, I can guarantee you that. And that is what it is to like build better. It's this process of cultivation, being sustainable and living and working in as much balance as you can design. Oh, I love that. And it's so true. But that doesn't mean there aren't ways to speed you up, ladies and gents. And I'm telling you now that Liana is one of the people that has thrown more technology my way than anyone else in the universe. So I'm going to ask you, Liana, on a scale of one to 10, what tech do you rank as 10 and can't work without right now? Chat GPT. Oh, come on. That's what everybody's saying right now. Is it that true? (laughs) Okay. So here's the thing. And I'm not saying this is like to brag or anything like that, but this is just facts. I'm an early tech adopter. I've been online more than half of my life, right? I grew up in the Bay area in the nineties and my mom worked in Silicon Valley. We had like three laptops when most people didn't even have a home computer. I taught myself to code when I was like 13. I used to make Backstreet Boy fan pages on GeoCities. Anybody who's listening who understands that, you are my people. So (laughs) I am a digital native for all intents and purposes. And I love new. And I will never forget in 2020 when I read about GPT-3 being released. Now, again, I'm not going to go all into it, but GPT-3 was the large language model uh, that preceded GPT-4. And there's, you know, there were a few before that, that OpenAI released. And this is kind of the first time that it ever really came on my radar, what any of this was. And I remember thinking to myself, this is going to change everything in a very cool way. And one of the first things I thought to myself is, when applied to copywriting, it's going to be able to supercharge a company of one. And I'll never forget, I had a one-to-one with one of our members who was a copywriter. And I said to her, there's this new technology that's coming out. And I have a feeling that what it would allow you to do is to train it with different tones. And so you could have a luxury tone, a wellness tone, a this tone. And so, because her problem was, how do I grow 
when it's just me and I don't want to build a team. And I was like, yeah, I, just, you know, I was reading the other day, this technology has come out and I bet you would be able to have all of these different kind of styles that you would feed into it. And then you would be able to supercharge yourself. And she looked at me like I was nuts. And four months later, I was interviewing the founder of one of the kind of emerging uh, AI copywriters. And by that point, a, like a $6 billion market had already grown. Right. You know, and, and what I love about that is that's exactly what you can do now is you can have these different styles and tones of the copy you say, all right, this is my Tony Robbins tone. This is my, this tone. And so I, you know, in my head, it was just logical that that's what you would be able to do with the technology. Right. And that's why I love chat GPT is because it has sped up my workflow so much I can finally do the things that I want to do. I can say the things I want to say, because what I don't do is say, okay, chat GPT, write me a blog post. I don't do that. But what I do do is I brainstorm with it. One of the best things, especially in the early days when it was first released and they didn't have any rules, <laughs> they were like, everybody train it for us. And I was like, I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh man. Like, in November, I was just like, I downloaded two and a half years of transcripts and just shoved them in. And Whoa. I was like, you tell me what we do <laughs> like, based on what people say we do. You tell huh? me what we do. Right. What are the common threads that based on everything that people were telling us and all like we've done like 7,000 hours of one-to-ones and support over the last three years. You tell me the problem that we solve because I can't really articulate it without jargon. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. What and did it did. tell you? Yeah. It, it was just like, it, it was, oh gosh, it, a lot of it was just around, you know, you, you, we, we support people so that they minimize the cost of learning through mistakes, Right. We provide structure so folks go further faster. People come in not realizing how capable they are and they come out with this confidence in themselves and a new sense of self-belief. It's like, yes, I can do this. I am an entrepreneur. And the other thing that I didn't realize was how fast we do it. So, cause I'm a perfectionist, right? And I like every, I don't think anything that I do is good enough ever, ever, ever could be better. Could be better. Always, always. I've got an antidote about that to share later, maybe. But yeah, always, always, always. And this was a, a recent revelation. I learned that the average time it takes for a startup to go from idea to market or to revenue is between six and 12 months. Through new beginnings, we do it in 90 days. Awesome. And a lot of times I'm like, oh, but like, I, if we could do more, I want more. And I didn't realize that like we do it in a quarter of the time of standard, right? 90 days. And I wouldn't have known that without chat GPT. So yeah. <laughs> wow. Just goes to show how great it is to be on the cutting edge, digital native and able to throw all that stuff in there and see what it spits out. I think that's awesome. I think it's really great that you've gone, always gone so big on tech and what could it do and how could it solve problems? And 
But I also know that you you dive deep into amazing inspirational reading as well, and that you do love the book side of things, whether that's using Blinkist or whether it's like going deep into um, technology that helps support your reading as well. It doesn't matter. So I'd love to know what are a few books that you've read recently that you'd maybe recommend to help others build better? And any, as a bonus, any takeaways you've had? Oh, okay. So my favorite, favorite, favorite. So again, I typically listen to the same things over and over and over again. I've recently learned that's an ADHD trait. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. One of my favorites, and I recommend this to everyone, and I know it's cliche, but it's true. The Art of War. I, I mean, if you want to read the whole thing, go for it, but I do the blank. <laughs> I learned more about leadership and entrepreneurship and how to build better through listening to the art of war. Like I sometimes listen to it like a pump up song, like when I'm not feeling my best and I start doubting myself and I guess put on art of war. This is, yeah, let's go. Okay. You got to unpack that for me. I cannot understand. <laughs> so that the works. art of war, right. So the art of war, you know, everyone is uh, Donald Trump. It's his favorite. It's like, that's why I say it's really cliche, okay. but it's a, it's a, it's effectively all about these tactical strategies that you use to win a war, but it's not the way that you think. And it's about, reading the signs. It's about knowing your strengths. So one of the tenets is you don't go after things that you're not going to win. So basically you don't go into battles that you're not going to win, but that doesn't mean you're not going to win. One of my favorites is when you see your enemy and their people are struggling for food, right? They're tired. That's when you know it's almost time to strike. Right? Brutal, but okay. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's and, and, but that's the thing. It's like, but, but, but what I take from that is patience. Patience. And listening. And watching. And properly being present. Because you're not going to know that, you know, someone else's team is fatigued, if you're not properly engaging and doing active listening and researching and all of those things, and then you're like, okay, now we strike. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's it. I highly, highly recommend it because if anything, I took away this confidence in being slower and embracing my own size. So instead of saying, I can't go after this opportunity because I'm too small, it's how can I, you know, how can I do it? It'll be like, do you go over ridges or do you go around? Do you need to actually collaborate with, you know, your enemy's enemy to get it done? So it's not about, I can't do it because I'm too small, or I'm just going to go like ballistic at it and then like burn everybody out. We're going to be a lot more tactical and more patient about our victory. 
Love it. Really, really great. And and it's this kind of thinking, people, that you get with Liana. It is not, here is a straightforward path. This is the stuff you think you know. No, no, no. Rip that all up and start thinking differently. And it really, it's a joy. It is an absolute joy. And you come out with more ideas than you've ever had. Hence why she built the amazing inspiration space. <laughs> But Liana, you're doing so much more in the Build Better space. I feel like I have got to give you a bit more airtime on that. Just with regards to, we talked about not going into the future, but actually one of the things you really help um, business builders do is think about the impact they're having on the environment, the way that they can build better, thinking about carbon literacy, becoming carbon neutral. Give that some airtime. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So as I was saying earlier, you know, I've just come out of and then going into this sort of new season of my entrepreneurial journey. And it started this time last year. We ran our first pilot uh, for our program called the Low Carbon Accelerator, which we're going to change the name because one of my friends was like, that sounds so dry. I'm like, I know, but I couldn't think of anything else. (laughs) It's like we're brainstorming next week. But um, so, yeah. And I have to say, I was not engaged in any meaningful way in the net zero conversation, the, you know, climate crisis. Of course I knew. And I, you know, it's like, yep, sucks. But I wasn't doing anything about it. And after the first session of the pilot, everything changed. I took action immediately because what I realized was that I didn't have to boil the ocean to save the ocean. And there are so many small things that one person can do that makes a huge impact when they are all combined. Because I know for me, one of the reasons why I just sort of turned a blind eye to it is because I like to travel. And I was like, oh, no, if I go all in, I'm not going to be able to go anywhere ever because I'll never get back on a plane. The exact opposite happened. The exact opposite happened because once I became carbon literate and I actually understood the conversation and what and where the risks and the threats and, you know, the fact that all emissions are not created equally, I realized that, you know, because we mostly eat a plant-based diet because my husband is vegetarian, my all I actually needed to do to reduce the amount of energy that we use was to waste less food. So I bought a compost after like the first workshop, not by fast fashion. And I don't do that anyways. And I bought an air fryer because I was like, there's no reason why I need to turn on a whole range oven to cook for two people. You know, there are times when we use it, but we use the air fryer more than anything. I don't have to, I I don't have to think about my flights we don't travel that much. I don't have a private jet. And that's why, you know, I am just so passionate and emphatic about this concept of carbon literacy, because once you know, everything changes and it's all about what we as individuals can do from our sphere of influence. And a lot of it just makes your day-to-day life better. It saves you money, right? It I think especially now at the cost of living crisis and the fact that so for so many of us, our, our self-worth is attached to our ability to consume. When you can almost 
put another reason, well, I'm not doing this because it's just not great for the environment. You don't have to say I can't afford it. It's like, I, that's not a, the best use of natural resource. Cause the reality is we have to stop growing in the way that we're growing. We have to stop making stuff. Uh, in October, I was on a panel uh, at Anthropy, which is the UK's uh, equivalent of Davos. It was absolutely amazing. And uh, sitting next to me uh, was the head of Conscious Capital, and he's been working with Starbucks and Patagonia. And it was right around the time that the CEO of Patagonia had announced uh, that he was giving all of his wealth away. And I side-eyed that. I honestly did. And the reason why I side-eyed that was I said, that will have meaning when Patagonia say, we are not making any more fleeces. We aren't making a new product anymore. That has meaning. And interestingly, I read yesterday, uh, like their head of marketing or something said exactly that. They're like, we, we don't call ourselves a sustainable brand. We're not a sustainable brand until we stop making stuff. Because that's the reality. You can't make new anymore. We have to recycle. We have to refurbish. We've got to change our whole economic model to one that is circular and not linear. And so for business owners and for leaders, it's time to take a good look in the mirror and say to ourselves, you know, would I be happy in five years, eight years, 10 years at my contribution to the crisis? Have I done everything that I can do. Because the reality is it's not about what we're doing in the global North. Well, it's about our behavior, but the impact is in the global South. And when, you know, I live in Britain, when people are talking about refugees, we've not seen nothing yet. The amount of climate refugees that, you know, we are going to see over the next 10 years will make your mind blow because that's the impact People don't have water because there are droughts, because it's polluted because of our, because of our clothing, right? They can't have any quality of life because all of our plastic crap doesn't get recycled in the UK. It ends up on a barge and it goes back to them. Our fast fashion waste doesn't just end up in landfill here. It goes back to places like Ghana And the result is their artisans, their makers don't have employment because everyone's wearing our castoffs. So if you can listen to that and you can know that and say, I'm good, cool. If not, you got to get carbon literate and you have got to change your business model. You have to. There's no alternative. I mean, it's just massive what you've talked about there. And I think it's so important. One of the reasons I want to bring it up is because it doesn't matter if you are a business of one, a business of 500 or 500,000. It doesn't matter. If everybody just understood the problem and everybody just made small changes, that will grow into a big impact. And if we all play our part, we can all make a difference. And for me, that is building better. And there are amazing people like Liana out there in the world who can help you on that journey. I'm going to jump into some quick fire round questions now. Are you ready? Let's go. <laughs> Tell us something people often get wrong about you. That I'm an extrovert. 
Really? Are you shy? Incredibly shy and incredibly introverted. <laughs> okay, I did not know that, people. I'm going off my track. Okay, quick fire, going back, going back. So what's one thing you wish you'd done sooner? Outsource my marketing to someone who knew what they were doing. <laughs> what's the best part about your work? People like you. Ah, oh, big love, big love. <laughs> Biggest lesson in running your own business? Go slower than you think you need to. What are the best resources that have helped you along the way? Blinkist. And my founder friends that are further along the journey. Amen to that one. One piece of leadership advice that you wish you'd known earlier or is so awful that you need to warn us. Fire fast. <laughs> I never believed it when people said it. And then now I'm like, no, that I get it now. <laughs> I get it. Fire fast, hire slow. <laughs> okay. And what is the hard lesson that you've learned in business? It doesn't pay to be nice. It's good to be kind. You don't get very far being nice. And what's one thing you're really excited about right now? Can I say that I don't get excited about stuff? <laughs> yes, but you're going to have to tell me why. Because I think you're the most excitable person there is. That's Can probably I? why. There's this new bit of technology. <laughs> Wait till you see this. You get excited. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why it's like my baseline is like excitement. Baseline. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's so fair. it's like, it true. takes a lot for me to, and, and it usually just happens like on a whim. Like I'll see something, like it's all very spontaneous, my excitement. But then once I'm in, I'm like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> Brilliant. And is there one music track that lights you up and makes you feel you can take on the day? What would it be? Fuel by Metallica strong love it what a wonderful way to end the show liana you have been an amazing guest thank you so much for coming on snippets of genius thank you for having me please pass this episode on to just one person spread it among your group stick it in your whatsapp ask your colleagues to listen to it and let's spread the learnings and the lessons remember there is no secret you can go out there you can chase your dreams with the knowledge you can do anything you set your mind to because anything is possible. Stay curious and enjoy every minute of the journey and I'll see you very soon. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Steve Turney hosts a great podcast geared toward mental health marketers called The Boost. Steve, tell listeners what you cover on the show. The Boost is our podcast, and the tagline is conversations with people promoting mental health, and that's what it is. So it's marketers, company executives, therapists, and mental health advocates talking about what they're doing to move this industry and this important thing called mental health forward. Amazing. And where can people subscribe? I'm big on LinkedIn, so you can find us there, just uh, slash Steve Turney, or you can find the show at marketingpodcasts.net or search for The Boost wherever you get your podcasts. You heard him. Go subscribe.
This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.